You're listening to the Sportsman's Nation Podcast Network brought to you by HuntStand. HuntStand is the number one hunting app in the country, and at only $29.99, HuntStand offers a ton of functionality for hunters all over the country. Whether you own your own property or strictly hunt public, you can choose from over a dozen base maps, view property ownership information, 3D mapping, local weather, log your sightings and harvest, as well as use their trail cam management software, and print maps from your hunt areas. Download it today at the Apple App Store or Google Play. Hunt Stand. Upgrade your arsenal. So, I was recently put in Facebook jail for writing a comment about wanting to, quote, kill a frick ton of does this fall. It's no secret that big tech companies have been slowly encroaching on our outdoor lifestyle, and that's why I'm thankful for companies like Go Wild. Go Wild is like any other social media app, except that it's geared towards outdoors men and women. If you're able to share your stories and pictures from the field, log your trophies, and engage with other hunters, all without fear of being censored by Big Brother. We recently teamed up with Go Wild to create an easy place where you can see and even purchase all of the gear that you see me use on the Southern Ground Hunting Channel. All you have to do is go download the app to your smartphone and search Parker McDonald to see my gear page. You can also find other gear for purchase in the store from brands like Garmin, Vortex Optics, Rocky Boots, and thousands more. Now here's the best part. If you use the code Southern Ground, all lowercase, all one word, you can save 10% on anything in the Go Wild store. Again, that's Southern Ground, all lowercase, all one word, and that'll save you 10%. I think that's pretty cool. So check out the show notes of this episode for the download link to join hundreds of thousands of other hunters like us on Go Wild. Southern Ground Hunting Podcast is brought to you by Spartan Forge. It's forged in combat and tailored for hunters. Spartan Forge stands at the nexus of machine learning and whitetail deer hunting to deliver truly intuitive and science-based products that save the hunter time spent scouting, planning, and executing their hunts. You can start your free 14-day trial today by visiting SpartanForge.ai and you can use the code SOUTHERNGROUND that's all lowercase, all one word, Southern Ground at checkout, and that'll get you 25% off of your purchase. You're wanting to know more about saddle hunting? Well, check out tetherednation.com for all your saddle hunting needs. Tethered is for saddle hunters, by saddle hunters, and they're redefining ultralight hunting. If you'd like to support the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast, you can visit patreon.com forward slash Southern Ground Hunting. Or you can click on the link in the show notes of this podcast episode. We offer two different tiers for our patrons that offer a solid list of benefits. We'd love for you to join the Southern Ground Hunting community today. Again, that's patreon.com forward slash Southern Ground Hunting. And now, let's get to the show. All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. I am uh, excited because deer season has begun in Alabama and um at least in some parts of alabama it started uh i got a deer on the ground we're actually going to cover a little bit of that um next week i believe uh me and you are going to kind of break down the process it was just a doe but there was a pretty cool storyline behind the whole thing so we'll get into that but uh the season has been opened up in other states for quite some time and so today i've got a very special guest mr dave owens a fellow well, now currently a fellow Alabamian, uh, but I believe, Dave, 
you're from Georgia originally, right? That's it. Yep. I'm a Georgia native for sure. And okay. uh, kind of migrated over here in the past few years. <laughs> now, did you move here for Courtney? Is that why you moved to Alabama? Uh, well, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Short answer is yeah. I mean, I've always lived where I lived before was right on the line. So I was, I was virtually straddling the state line before I spent about as much time in Alabama as I did Georgia. But, um, yeah, I'm, I'm officially on this side of the fence now. <laughs> well, welcome. Welcome to the, to the dirty, dirty South. I think Georgia is just the dirty South. And then you got Alabama's the, the real dirty South. Uh, <laughs> if you go by a road system, you would believe that. Um, but it, it's kind of funny. Um, so two weeks ago, uh, I was feeling really under the weather, really sick, didn't, wasn't able to put out a podcast. And so I replayed our podcast that we did like two years ago. And we talked about Swamp Bucks and uh, kind of your take on doing that. And it was actually a really popular episode. And um, people were kind of pissed off because they were like, man, I thought you had another episode with Dave Owens. I was getting all excited about it. And uh, they were pissed <laughs> off when they realized it was one they'd already heard before. And so I was like, well, maybe we need to get Dave on again sometime and talk about some deer hunting. And funny enough, we've actually never been able to work it out because you're so crazy, your your schedule's so ridiculous during turkey season. We've never been able to work it out to do a turkey episode. So hopefully, sometime <laughs> we can get get you on to talk about your real passion, which is turkeys. Um, but for anybody who doesn't know who you are and doesn't know about the Pinhody Project, uh, tell us a little bit about what you do uh, on YouTube through the the Pinhody Project. Um. Yeah, it was born out of uh, an obsession for turkeys, but it's essentially just a guy, uh, a, a handful of his friends that he surrounds himself with. It's just infatuated with turkeys and everything to do with them and kind of centers his life around chasing them and being able to chase them. And um, just uh, started putting out content that kind of uh, portrayed the way I go about it and the way the, the guys around me go about it. And that kind of just took off because I think that was a little niche that wasn't quite as uh saturated as other parts of that outdoor media type stuff and uh it's kind of just snowball there we just uh, we do a lot of traveling for turkeys and we we hunt a lot of land that's accessible by you know for everybody and it's just kind of one of those things and it's just not to turkeys it's deer and everything else it's just uh it's kind of a uh, a narrative that can be adapted to anything which is you know, success is out there through effort. I mean, if you put forth the effort and are persistent enough, I mean, you, you eventually kind of make your own luck, as they say. Yeah. And um, that's just kind of the kind of the motto we live by. And I think it was um, it's something people were thirsty for. You know, they 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 did the whole industry was kind of uh, consumed by. You know, I like watching the Drurys and, and them kill those big deer, and um, I like watching. Uh, you know, the guys in Iowa hear 15 or 20 turkeys a morning, but a lot of times that's just not realistic. I mean, I like watching it, but it's kind of like a fairy tale in a lot of senses. But, um, you know, it's, it was it was just, you know, something that we kind of lassoed and kind of brought in that, that you know, you put forth enough effort and, and there's success out there for everybody. It doesn't matter, you know, your location or your bank account. So, you know, we talk about that quite a bit uh, on the show. And I have a lot of conversations with people 
throughout the season. Just just people who might, might message me or something, you know, want to know a little bit more about uh, hunting tactics or whatever. And one of the things that I always say is, um, especially when it comes to turkeys, and I think you can agree, the more time you put into it, the greater your chances, right? I mean, like, it, you could be a guy that does not know crap, Jack, about turkey hunting, but if you spend enough time in the woods, at some point, the stars are kind of kind of align, and I think that goes with what you're saying about, you know, you put forth that effort, and eventually it's going to pay off. You can you can make things happen that way. Yeah, absolutely. But I mean that that that's universal. I think I think that yeah, happens definitely with everything. You know, I mean it, my the deer that I just killed last week or so was is a perfect example of that. I think you can do it. There's there's more intelligent ways about approaching it, putting yourselves in the in the right spot and staying out of the wrong spots when you. You know, knowing when to hold them and when to fold them, I guess I keep saying is, you know, when to go in your good stuff and when to sitting at home is just not ever the best answer, in my opinion, I guess is what I'm saying. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, um, I've talked to guys like Andy May before, and one of the things that he said is the reason why he's able to be so consistent with killing big, big deer pretty quickly and in the few amount of the few days that he has to, to hunt. He's able to be very consistent because early on he learned what you're talking about, when to hold him, when to fold him. He learned what he can get away with, how close can he get to a deer, to a buck in his bed without blowing it out. And it takes a lot of failure to figure those things out. But eventually you do it long enough, you can kind of get those things worked out. And and it sets you sets yourself up for success in the long run. Um, now, speaking about deer hunting, um, you raised in, uh, raised in Georgia, Georgia native. Did you start out, uh, deer hunting before turkeys? Oh yeah, absolutely. That's where, that's where everything originated was, was, you know, rabbits and, and, uh, small game and, and, uh, that progressed deer. And, um, my dad's a fanatical deer hunter, never met, messed with turkeys at all. Um, so yeah, it was definitely deer that, that my passion for just being outside and kind of matching wits with an animal and trying to figure it out. And here again, it was just persistence. Keep, just keep going and putting myself in the right place at the right time or my dad putting me in the right place at the right time. And just that little bit of taste of success here and there. Um, just, you know, it just, it, I just got more and more, um, you know, thirsty for that. Just, just wanting to, to figure it out. I guess is um, what I'm saying is just kind of you get a little bit of success and you want to know why you were successful and could you do it again? And um, I don't know. That's, that's what captivates me with, I guess, any of it in the, mm-hmm. in the wild is just, you know, trying to figure it out. You know, I've, I think about um, a lot of the people who are some of the greatest um, turkey hunters that I know, they, they started out the same way you did. They started out deer hunting and matching wits with a deer and figuring it out. And part of the reason why they got so addicted to turkeys afterwards, after they'd already started deer hunting, part of the reason they got so addicted to turkeys is because they had kind of figured out there's a lot of consistencies that happen with whitetails. Um, and with turkeys, if you start getting bored of deer, then turkeys is a way to go because there's like very few consistent things that have turkeys just kind of do what they feel like doing. Um, whereas a whitetail, you can tend to, uh, I guess, quote unquote, pattern them. And there's a deer in Iowa is going to have a lot of the same tendencies as a deer 
in Alabama. That doesn't mean they live their life the exact same way, but they have a lot of those same tendencies. So I say all that to say is you kind of just in our conversations and, uh, you know, texting back and forth a little bit here and there, talking to each other every now and now and again, you kind of seem like a guy who maybe um, I don't want to say got bored with deer hunting, but uh, you it, it seems like you are when you put your mind to go and and kill a buck you tend to make it happen pretty quickly. Uh, and I know you you might not realize that and you might not admit it, but you're very consistent when it comes to deer. Not only, I mean, obviously everybody knows you're consistent with turkeys, but with deer, it's like you just, you kind of just go out there real quick and kill a big buck and call it good. Um, would you say <laughs> there was a time in your life when, when you were sold out to deer hunting that you just, you, you kind of felt like... Um, like you, you figured it out. You figured out the right formula that works for you with deer. Um, there's some yes and no's in uh, in that in in your uh, in your assumption there because a, a little bit had to come about deer, even though I would be successful somewhat consistently. Um, I never was able to wrap my mind around why a lot of times, like I would stumble into a pattern or I'd stumble into something or I'd find a hot tree or whatever, but it's like, I could never be consistent enough to like, feel like I knew what I was doing. And I, I get frustrated with the, um, the cumbersomeness of deer hunting, when, yeah. especially videoing deer hunting. That's what I, that's what's really attractive there's two things that are that about turkey hunting is extremely attractive to me. And that's the mobility of yeah. a turkey hunter that doesn't need much equipment and the communication. I, I, I'm one of those guys that I, I like making sounds like the, like the animals. And, and that's just part of, part of turkey hunting. But as far as, um, you know, way back when, I mean, I was one of those kids that I could never get enough. I read, I studied, I, always was convinced there was a tactic out there that was going to work 100% of the time. Like I was convinced that it was out there and I just wasn't finding it, but it was out there. So I would just continuously search. And I guess that, that desire to find that tactic has kind of landed me where I'm at, which is, um, you know, I think adaptability is the, the biggest strength if you're hunting anything like figuring out what's going on around you and being able to kind of develop a, a strategy on, on kind of on, on the wing, so to speak. And, um, I guess all the searching I done looking for a sure thing kind of landed me where I'm at, which is kind of trying to be somewhat consistent regardless if I'm in hill country or if I'm, I'm dealing with steep terrain or if I'm dealing with swamps, creeks, you know, rivers, whatever, um, has landed me where I'm at. But like we kind of started this conversation is, I think my success can, can be hung on that whole persistence mentality. Like I just, you know, I, I, for some reason I'm willing to take it on the chin, you know, uh, time and time again and just keep getting beat down, keep getting beat down. And, and for some reason I just keep getting up, you know, <laughs> um, it's probably videos, because of turkeys, like, turkeys will do that to you. Like yeah, it, it, turkeys most definitely will. It, and, and you know, like it only takes it. It, it takes fifteen seconds of good luck, and, and you're back on top of the world. That's you know? right. 
That's right. That's funny. Uh, you know, I was just uh, saying this like two days ago. I killed that deer like two days ago. And I just get away, man. I don't know if you're like this. At the beginning of every season, I think to myself, I ain't going to kill crap. I ain't killing nothing. Like, my luck's about to run out, and I ain't going to kill nothing. All this talk about strategy and stuff, I'm acting like I know what I'm talking about. I really don't. I just got lucky last year, and I ain't going to kill anything else. <laughs> and uh, and sure enough, the day that I was just, I mean, I was just wearing my heart on my sleeve freaking three days after opening day and i hadn't seen a whole lot of deer three days i mean it's only three days you know and it's like uh sure enough that's the day that i was able to kill a deer and had some good encounters with deer that day and uh and it, and then you just go back to feeling like maybe i do know what i'm talking about maybe i do know a little bit and uh and, and you just feel <laughs> on top of the world just like what you're talking about man it, it takes just a minute and that persistence factor is so huge in that uh in that formula i guess just just going you know being there if you're hunting i think for sure yeah just being just being out there like and and we mentioned earlier like you were talking about andy may and, and kind of taking strategic approaches when the timing is right but in my situation if i have the ability to go i'm gonna go it may be in an area that i haven't been to and it's all based strictly on like a map scout or something but i'm like if i go I have the opportunity to learn something about an area that I potentially haven't ever been to or whatnot. I may be conscious enough to not, you know, not go storming into an area that I know is good, but the conditions are not right, but I'm always going to go. Right. Um, so that's, that's good, man. So kind of moving into, uh, the, I guess the, I guess it was the open week or the week after the open week, um, in Kentucky, uh, this is your second good buck in the last, what, three years that you've killed in Kentucky in the early season? Is that right? Yeah, I didn't hunt it last year, believe it or not. I, I kind of, after the after the, the time I had the year before last, I was like, man, that, because, man, that was record high temperatures that first year I ever hunted Kentucky early season. And, I mean, you know as well as anybody that that place is, an, I mean, Kentucky early season, 100 degrees. <laughs> poison oak bugs i mean that is an absolute man you've really got to have your mental state uh, solid when you approach that battle you know and my old boss year, said like, i'm not doing it again my old boss used to say man you must really hate those things <laughs> to be out there that much <laughs> during that kind of crap um and it's true man yeah kentucky's kentucky's rough and i remember uh you know, I, running into you, I saw your truck anyways out at one of the spots where I was at, and you use a lot of the same tactics when it comes to water access. Have you found that to be extremely beneficial in Kentucky for the way that you're hunting it? Um, used to be. As, <laughs> uh, as you know, it, it's become more popular. Um, I won't, um, I guess it's, you know, I guess it's probably going to be situation specific. I mean, in some places, if it's, if it's, uh, the crowds haven't got there. Um, well, I guess, I guess what I should say is if, if the water access gives you, uh, the ability to get into places that are really hard to access by foot, um, it could be beneficial, but you know, some of these places are just, they're just road happy. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and folks will walk a long ways on a road. Um, 
you know, and some folks will bring a boat. And there's some tournament determined son of a gun. So we'll paddle a kayak four or five miles, I found out. I mean, there's, yeah. there's, that's one thing that I, I think's really entertaining is like, um, and I'm guilty of saying this, you know, people just don't want it like they used to, or people are just not willing to put forth the work like they used to. And that may be the case for some percentage of the, of the population. But I'm here to tell you, in my opinion, there are people hunting harder and smarter um, for everything than ever before. Um, and that's pretty cool to see, you know, I mean, that's just like the game has just been elevated. And um, I mean, people are being successful. I mean, and they're using, you know, it's just not blind luck anymore a lot mm-hmm. of times. And it's, it's pretty cool to hear their stories and w- the way they approach things. Cause everybody has their own flavor, you know, everybody has their own, like something they're looking for. And I think it's pretty cool to like, see somebody be successful and then you talk to them and that they used this specific tactic or they found this specific thing. And I don't know, it's, it's used to, it just used to be like just blind luck. It seemed like it just kept help falling into the, the majority of folks laps. And now it doesn't seem to be that way. That's right. Yeah. I mean, as I was telling you beforehand, before we started recording this, I have seen more people out this week on the opening week doing the same thing, doing this water access thing than I have ever before. And, um, you know, part of me is, uh, part of me is maybe a little bit upset about it. Um, but the other part of me is like the, the, the competitive and part, part of me that, like you said, adapts and likes to do that kind of stuff. Um, you know, I, I really enjoy the process more than I enjoy, the kill a lot of times when you can look back and think about the 10 days that you didn't see a deer and then all of a sudden you see a deer and you're able to be successful on that hunt man like that's just about the storyline is so much better you can you can really look back and have rather than well i killed all three of my bucks three back-to-back days it's like well that's cool but it's a whole lot better when there's a storyline to it you look back on it it's just cool you know it's just a neat a neat process. And so I like that process like you do. I like to adapt and and I have noticed, man, these people who are now doing a lot more than walking 100 yards off a road, um they're actually getting after it. And uh it is it is really cool to see that and to know that um the stuff that as a as a content creator and a podcast host, whatever, um stuff that you're talking about is actually helping people that's pretty neat um that's a that's a cool it's very neat it's very neat and the thing we have to remember is, is and I, I mean i love it i mean i embrace it i mean competition pushes the envelope yeah um you know whether that be not competition amongst fellow hunters even though there is a certain amount of that because i mean if you have people pushing in on your location that pushes you to do something else it pushes you to try harder or think outside the box and those are the people that are successful in kind of everything to be honest with you in life if you think outside the box and you get outside the comfort zones of what most people are willing to do then then you just find things that other people aren't going to find and um so, and, and yeah, I can, can completely, uh, you know, sympathize with the folks that are, you know, unhappy because of some tactic or something that's kind of been exploited or um, I under I can understand that. But if you slow down and just realize that competition pushes everything, it pushes literally everything in life to be better at something. 
um, to uh, to think outside the box. And you know, I think I think it's a good thing. I think people being able to uh, to kind of just stimulate their minds and to uh, embark on new adventures and new tactics that you know just makes everything more fun. Like when you you have more invested in it when you have more brain power spent toward it, you know? Yeah. And uh, that just makes successes that much more, that was more rich, you know? So speaking of that, speaking of this competition and pressure and, uh, other hunters, uh, let's talk about, let's talk about this hunt in Kentucky. Uh, So you haven't yet put out the video, um, the final video of it, but I did watch one where it looked like there was a lot of people hunting this area that you were hunting. Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's like any, anywhere in the country that opens, basically hunting is popular and it's a great thing. It's a wonderful thing. And any area of the country that comes in and gives the, gives people the ability to hunt before anywhere else or after anywhere else is going to bottleneck the pressure. Um, so yeah, there's people, but I mean, it's a testament to, you know, you can be successful with the right frame of mind. And I'm the world's worst at being a Debbie Downer, especially when it comes to deer hunting. Like like you said earlier, wearing your feelings on your sleeve, I'm never going to see a deer again kind of kind of attitude. I'm the world's worst, and it comes through in video, and I'm hoping it's realistic and people just don't see me as a crybaby. But <laughs> um, that's just real world, you know. It's just, um, And that's kind of when we – and, I mean, at least I can speak for myself, knowing when I started videoing this stuff, that's exactly what I wanted to portray, the real-life kind of uh, way this – hunting works in general and you know public land hunting just the different challenges but um yeah you know there was a lot of a lot of pressure and uh just had to kind of adapt to to uh, to deal with it you know yeah yeah so so you had people walking around um did it seem in, in what you saw did it seem to uh mess with obviously it's the first week so the deer weren't super duper pressured yet did it seem to mess with what they with with the deer uh around the area if you saw somebody walk down a spot where you like it was kind of like well there's not going to be any deer right there or were you just kind of like you know what i'm just going to sit here and wait and hopefully my luck changes what was your what was your response to to some of the the pressure that you were seeing in those areas I was just tried to take the common sense approach. You know, if I was in the area the first evening I sat, I kind of did an observation sit and got up to an area that was kind of hard to get to, not hard enough to get to. But I thought out of the uh, place I wanted to hunt, it may be uh, at least the least pressured and finding little pockets that even though the area may be pressured, maybe this one specific pocket, you know, someone would have to get really close, I guess is what I'm saying to, to, um, to give it any pressure so i went into one of those uh type areas um and was able to put my eyes on a bachelor group of bucks and it, it was a couple pretty decent buck depth or i say pretty decent it was really nice deer um and that was on the first the very first evening you know and um i was like i thought i'd well i did find a needle in a haystack essentially i was you know pretty pumped up about it and was like you know these deer on an early season pattern I need to go in there and capitalize while I can. Um, You know, that situation, you walk into a city and you walk into a place, everything that you thought was going to happen, happened. And you're like, okay, I know exactly what I need to do now. All I got to do is execute. 
So, you know, uh, morale's at an all-time high. You know, there's no, like, guesswork on what I'm going to do next. And I go in there the next evening. The wind supposedly changed. And I went in there the next evening, uh, put myself into what I felt like was the right position. Um, on the way in, the boot tracks made it pretty obvious that I wasn't alone where I was at. <laughs> And I walked in front of a cell camera. So, I mean, it was pretty obvious that I wasn't the only one that knew about that bachelor group of bucks. And it quickly became apparent that it was just a miracle that I was able to see them that evening. Um, to my knowledge, they've never went back. They've never came back to that field in the daylight. So, <laughs> um, you know, I got, cause I had a pretty strong inkling that the deer has, were bedding right there at the edge of the field. Um, just in the cover of the shade, which I found that they do a lot. Um, they found them a little pocket right there. You know, they'll bed in the beans a lot. They'll bed in drainage ditches through the beans. And I found these deer were just kind of bedded. I felt like I'd almost watched them get out of their beds that evening before, essentially. And, you know, there was some pressure kind of moved in on uh, the wind, did some funny stuff on the next day. I don't know if that cost me or not. Um, but then the next day I had a, had a, some pressure come through and felt like they probably boogered the deer out of there if they were there. Um, let me, can I interrupt you that, real quick? Um, sure. Yeah. I couldn't really tell in, in watching the video, but it seemed like the first day you went in there, you went in there with your boat. And then the day you went in to actually try to kill one of these deer, the next day you walked in. Is that accurate? Uh, yeah, well, I went in with boat each time. It's just that I went a different route. I kind of had to loop the field because of the way okay. the wind had changed. I always try to like, like I said, I feel like these deer, um, bed in the beans a lot. So I try to avoid walking through the field as right. much as I can. I just kind of try to hide myself because I feel like these deer put themselves in a position where they can watch the field a lot of times. And so I was kind of looping the field. You know, I'd walk in the edge of the field if there was a roll in the terrain, which, the, the, you know, that area kind of uh, is conducive to that, using the, the hilltops and whatnot to hide yourself. Mm -hmm. um, so I was doing a lot of – I was having to walk a lot further. The first evening, the wind was conducive to kind of just pop up and, and enjoy yourself. The, the ever sit thereafter um, – ever sit thereafter, it was kind of a long walk to get to where I wanted to be, so – um, but yeah, I mean, everything was approachable from, from land or from water, um, because the people that kept putting pressure in that area were coming in from land. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Go yeah, on. Yeah. I, I just, the, the reason I asked, I was kind of curious, um, if, if possibly your pressure could have been what actually changed what those deer were doing from when you like, you know, if they were bedded up in a certain spot when you came in the first day and maybe you bumped them and bumped them away from where they had been betting at. And then they came out in a different spot on the field. You know what I'm saying? Like I always try to look at those type of situations and say, well, yeah. maybe it wasn't that other person's pressure. Maybe something I did altered their, their, uh, travel route that they were going to go. Um, so I was oh, yeah, curious. absolutely. I, yeah, absolutely. I was looking at, um, I didn't think that I, they, I was even in the, in there. I thought I had went in my opinion, what I had done the first evening was went completely undetected because I was extremely careful going in and mm -hmm. my approach 
my approach was was almost foolproof um and uh the deer came out extremely like just relaxed um gave me every indication that they'd been doing that same little song and dance for months you know how a summer pattern is uh-huh. now the second day when i went in there and looped all the way around and the wind did some funny stuff on me and i had a deer blowing at me it is completely possible that that i maybe pushed it a little too far I'm, i've got a tendency of doing that and possibly got in there or possibly the deer just came out a little wanted to come back down the field a little further than what they did the day before and I could have completely give them a nose full of me and that could have definitely altered everything, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's always a possibility of, 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 and trust me, I don't, that it's very possible that I'm the one that, that screwed it up. And then day three, the, when the guy walked in, I was back in the same spot wondering if I had pushed it too far the day before, but not knowing and kind of, kind of hoping that I didn't then the guy walked through there and I knew for sure I'm like well if they're where they need to be for me to kill them they're definitely not there now so yeah. <laughs> um I use that as an opportunity to kind of learn a little bit more about where they were at least you know I I wonder too in those type of situations like I go into a spot and you know you similar to what you're what you're talking about the wind was doing something completely different the day before and wondering if some wind-based bedding wasn't coming into play right there where those deer just were in a completely different area uh, because of the wind direction. Um, if that doesn't come into play a little bit. I, and, and like yourself, I, I tend to be a little bit analytical about everything. I, I never feel like there's a, a right answer, like a definite right answer. It's very rare that you have those. And so... You know, I always wonder about that kind of stuff, especially hunting ag land. Well, maybe they have another field that they like to hang out in on this wind, you know, on, yep. you know, and so I think it's good for listeners to kind of, to hear your story and to hear the dialogue about it, you know, and, and talk about the possibilities of things that it, it could have been that you didn't do anything wrong at all. Those deer just weren't there that day, you know? They, yeah, that's what I said when I was walking in that day. I was like, you know, I didn't see them yesterday. But, you know, I wanted to say that they were doing the same thing every day because it was summertime. And uh-huh. but sometimes I think maybe they just don't or maybe they were running late or, or whatever. You know, yeah. a lot of people say there's barometric pressure stuff that puts deer on their feet earlier. And maybe it was one of those days. I don't know. It was just um, I felt like, you know, I was trying to capitalize there on a time of year where deer were somewhat or supposed to be somewhat patternable. I'm one of those guys that, yeah, the wind based bedding, I think, is a thing. I think it's less of a thing in the early season and in the southeast because I just think the winds are inconsistent. I mean, it, that's a pretty apparent thing, that winds sure. in the southeast are inconsistent sometimes all year long, but dang sure in September they're inconsistent with heavy leaf cover and stuff on the trees. Mm-hmm. Um, that wind just tumbles. There's no consistency. Um, so I think the deer know that, so I think they rely – much more on their ears and eyes than they do maybe the rest of the year. And that's why I think they bed, you know, up against something like waist high beans to where if anything's trying to get to them, it would sound like a, you know, uh, you know, a Buffalo trying to walk up on them and they can watch down the hillside that's wide open and no understory. So um, at least that's what I thought was happening there. (laughs) Were you, were you guessing bedding, the bedding of those deer, were you guessing it based on like, uh, like foliage, like, 
was it thicker in that area where they came out of? Um, how were you kind of just assuming that? Or was it all just like kind of blind luck and you figured out where they were coming from when they came out that night? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I have found in this early season stuff, um, I mean, we've all heard the stories and we've some of us have even seen like deer just stand up out of the middle of a bean field, uh-huh. you know, and I think those early season deer do that until they get pressure. Um, it's just basic knowledge that any kind of animals limits expenditure of energy and if they ain't got to if they ain't having it you know i mean waist high beans makes pretty bulletproof cover as well as food so it, does, it just yeah. makes sense and i've seen these deer bedding right off the edges of these bean fields so often without pressure because they don't stay in the bean fields often because it's so hot and direct sunlight's just uncomfortable for them so i find a ton of bedding just literally the first shade that you can find mm-hmm. and then i combine that with like if there's a little bowl or something to where they're going to be hitting from hidden from sight from everywhere but just a couple little places you know so if somebody's trying to observe the field they can see 80 percent of the field and i'm wanting to go get to that 20 percent they couldn't see mm-hmm. um so using those two is kind of what put me in a position to see the deer okay. um so i was you know i thought the deer were using that 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 early season staying close to the food and just 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 inside the shade line coupled with um you know putting themselves in a position to where they can see their you know to see what they can't hear basically yeah Yeah, that makes sense um and it's so it's so uh it's so i guess difficult to think that way um especially for guys who are not used to hunting around ag because it feels really simple well they're just they're bedded out in the food you know like they're, yeah they're, they're there's not a bed to food pattern a lot of times because they're bedding in the food so yeah for um, sure. that that makes it that makes it for a tough hunt so i, I apologize i got kind of carried away with some questions right there and i hadn't let you uh continue on with the story we hadn't even gotten to uh where you actually you know started putting pieces together so I think we were on day three when the guy came through. He came through on you in the middle of the field, and you kind of shifted around. Yeah, I shifted around. After that, I kind of didn't throw that um, spot aside, but I just I knew the deer were going to shift uh, due to the amount of pressure. I felt like I just got really lucky to see them. Um, I tried to approach it the next day uh, from a different angle, same kind of block of wood, so to speak, but from a different angle, like you said, maybe they were picking a different field. Um, walked into there. It was a pretty nasty walk to get there and, and encountered a guy there too. <laughs> so <laughs> I turned around and walked right back out and just went com- somewhere completely random. Um, kind of after that, um, I dove into a couple days worth of uh, I didn't see anything, which I was kind of expecting that because I was diving into places. I just went into the thick a little bit more like I would, you know, hunting here versus there. I, I dove into places where I, I wasn't hunting a deer. I was hunting the deer, um, so to speak. Not that I knew that there was a specific deer there, but just like the area, the, the, the basically I picked out a spot where I thought, if there was a big buck in the area, this is where he would be bedding. And I kind of, you know, you, you come up with these schemes in your in your head, like, okay, he's bedded right here with his back to this water. He's going to walk through here, and you get in there, it's super thick. Everything makes sense. So I did a couple evenings 
and maybe and even a morning worth of that without I don't even think I saw a deer. So um, just tried to keep my head up, so to speak, knowing that I was kind of going into this situation where I might not see deer um, until it finally just it essentially just beat me down to the point where I was like, okay, you know, I've tried to approach this using prior knowledge and confidence in map scouting, but I can't hunt efficiently or obviously effectively because I don't have any confidence. You know, it's hard to get out of bed when you don't have any confidence. It's hard to approach your tree stand without making a sound when you don't have any confidence. I Mm -hmm. mean, you know, so I get a certain amount of, of, of an adrenaline rush. If I feel like I'm putting myself in the right spot, just that whole approach, like making sure I don't pop a limb, making sure I don't, you know, shuffle the bark on the tree too loud when I put my sticks on. And I just get a bit sloppy if I don't have confidence. So, um, I put my feet on the ground and, I uh, did some walking. Um, not that I found anything, I was kind of resisting that because my experience two years prior, I did a whole lot of walking, never did find anything that I thought was just a smoking gun. Mm-hmm. I never found anything that I would have just hung my hat on being really big buck sign, so to speak. I think it's really, really hard to find, you know, in the early season, but, um, I did that. I, I did some walking. Um, I was looking to get the monkey off my back and kind of in my little circle or especially between my dad and my brother it's kind of like you got to break the ice in order for something good to happen yeah so i started looking for some areas to like shoot a doe or you know just kind of scratch that itch and um did some walking around some like the crp type stuff tried to find big tracks or tried to find early dropping acorns because i hadn't found any to this point and um stumbled up onto some things here and there nothing that was just just crazy good um last stop was like i was confident those deer had been bumped off those beans but i was also confident they hadn't just blown the area so i got to looking at maps and picked out two or three areas that i thought the deer may have retreated to and dove into those spots i was going in there to jump them honestly i was going in there to find them and i knew i was probably serving as part of the problem as to why these deer were so hard to kill but at this point in the game I just felt like I needed to, to, uh, get some knowledge. You know, I needed to, needed to educate myself on, on what they did, uh, whether I used it this year or used it next year or 10 years down the road. I think that's what I was doing. Um, believe it or not, I felt like I found them. I went into a couple different places. I didn't find anything. And then suddenly I hadn't been able to find my, I was talking to my dad about this. I was like, you know, these deer were hard horned, um, hadn't found a single rub, hadn't found anything. Uh, suddenly I was like, okay, I, the last spot I checked, I was like, if they're, they could potentially be bedded here. I circled up wind cause I, I just had an eerie feeling the deer may be bedded there. And I didn't want to walk up on the deer and completely just, you know, rodeo them out of there. Mm-hmm. So I circled up wind of them and kind of let my wind flow down in there and then just slowly worked my way in and found sure enough. I mean, it was like, it never happens like that. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you go there and I was like, if there's some vegetation there, they may be using it to bed. If it's not, if it's open woods, then they're not. Well, come to find out there was some vegetation there. And sure enough, there was a half a dozen really big 
um, really fresh beds. And just outside those beds is probably a dozen rub trees. Um, not the really huge rubs, but some pretty aggressive rubs. You know, some trees the size of your thumb rung off and that kind of thing. And I really felt confident that I had just stumbled into where those deer had had bumped to because at this point it was a couple weeks since I had seen that bachelor group of bucks. I'm thinking, you know, I think they're now still using maybe the bean field, but they're doing it at night and they've retreated and pushed their bed off the food a little ways for, mm-hmm. for security. Um, I'm still one of those that practice or, or believe that security is also always number one, especially this time of year when food's kind of available everywhere. Yeah, for sure. So anyways, I had found that, um, and left came back home for a few days had some commitments i had to had to kind of uh cling to and and that's when we got that cool front whenever that was uh yeah that was a it was it was uh it was what was it 22nd 23rd yeah 22nd i think yeah somewhere around it was yeah that's right but i i headed back in i tried to get back up there for that first day and couldn't uh but got up there and and you know it was kind of had a little bit uh higher hopes given the the scouting that i had done and found those beds the beds was the only thing that i really felt like carried any weight so the first evening i was checking the weather and it was gonna it was gonna work out um i was gonna be able to to hunt them so you know i did the whole thing i planned my approach checking the wind every step got up in the tree like what i felt like was a ninja you know i mean just super quiet almost crawling to the tree staying right out of sight like really you know like i said it was almost an adrenaline rush just to get set up because i was so confident something was going to happen that night in that spot Mm -hmm. and then i get up there and the wind completely just just turned the whole thing up on its head and you want to talk about just a gut punch you know um it'll come across in the video i was pretty upset you know i felt like i had really uh, moved, made the right move, and then something completely outside your control just washes the whole deal and could potentially have ruined the whole spot for the whole season, you know? Mm-hmm. And I crept in there, got into the tree. The wind was com- just completely turned on me and was blowing straight to the beds. And within 30 minutes, deer were blowing in the beds. And I was like, <laughs> oh, my God. You know, they were at home. I got in the tree without bumping them. And due to something outside my control the whole evening is washed so yeah that one that that oh man that was rough <laughs> you talk about um, hard on your sleeve that was dude man i was I, I was i was i tried to edit it so i didn't seem quite as big of a crybaby as i was being that evening <laughs> but you'll be able to tell i was i was pretty upset then you know it just happens man that's why i was up there talking to the camera i was like man this crap is just luck like you just gotta you just gotta look into these deer you know (laughs) it's so inconsistent this early season wind you can't depend on you know i was just doing the i was the whole pity party thing um ended up seeing a couple bucks that evening right at dark and one of them was a pretty decent eight corner that i'm not sure is going to come the footage is, you know, how it gets laid. It was so grainy. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you pay attention to the footage closely, you'll be able to tell. He was a decent deer, and I looked at him, and given my attitude that evening, I won't say that I wasn't looking at him harder than I should have. Yeah. <laughs> because he was a decent deer, Um, but I was able to call myself off of him, I guess I should say, and 
and left that evening a less a little bit higher spirits than I was because I did actually see a couple deer. Let me um, ask you, did those deer, the deer that you saw, um, did they come from that same bedding area? Came from the opposite direction. Other and direction. here's what I think happened. Here's what I think happened. I'm pretty, the, the deer that I saw was a year and a half and a two and a half year old buck, I think. So I'm thinking what I have in my head is they were the deer that I heard blow. Um, I'm thinking those deer were in the beds and whether they were accompanied by the bigger deer, I don't know. Um, but they were in the beds and it happened so early cause I'd gotten in there with plenty of wiggle room, given that I was going so strategically into this place, they had time to, to go and get out of my wind and kind of, um, cause they kind of came in somewhat suspicious. Now, I don't know if they were suspicious because the wind was doing such crazy things. They may have already gotten a fresh whiff of me or if they were still playing off getting my wind two and a half hours prior, but they approached and came right up under the tree and went straight back to the beds. So I'm almost thinking it was almost a bump and dump type situation. Yeah. Um, I could be completely wrong. These deer could have been completely somewhere different and they were coming to the beds, you know, but no, they, they came from the, opposite direction of what i was expecting the deer to do and that's the only reason i think the deer got within bow range of me you know it's it's interesting to hear you talk about that because i've had similar situations where um you know you you bump a deer up i mean a lot of people they they build their whole hunting tactic on spooking deer and doing that bump and dump that you're talking about um that i mean that's how they like to hunt it gives them confidence that there's deer that were that were there and they think they're going to come back you know within the next little bit and i've seen it happen i've seen it happen more in uh kentucky and i don't know why uh i don't know why that's the case always but it, it seems like a more of a consistent thing that happens in that flatter land more um ag type land and it may just be because out here you know in in hilly alabama they have so many different places that they can go in bed, whereas in that ag um, flatter land, there's just not as many places that offer the advantage. I don't know if that has anything to do with it, but it does seem like that even though you, you did it kind of not on purpose, uh, you weren't bumping and dumping <laughs> that day, yeah. um, but it kind of it, it may have worked out that way. Uh, where and I it, think deer are just like us. I think they get confidence in a place that there's security there that they're safe there mm-hmm. and they you know when you bump them out of it in their opinion it worked perfectly it did exactly what it was supposed to they were able to get the wind they needed to know that danger was on the and they don't know exactly when to return you know mm-hmm. um and i think those being younger deer perhaps that that is why they returned i, I don't know but um i think they were trying to get back to that spot because they knew it was safe and i think um uh, accidentally because it, it happened to where they if coming up under my tree they were completely just circling back back up wind of, of where they had had hurt smelled the danger you know right. so um yeah that's my theory I, I i'm one to drum up theories and try to figure out why things did what they did and reality they probably don't know why they did what they <laughs> did but <laughs> yeah that's true yeah it's a uh, i love i love hearing you know that's why i think these type of situations are are very important um to to have 
more than just like vague conversations about a certain topic like buck betting or something, actually talk about a real, real life experience that you saw happen so that, I mean, we do this a lot during turkey season so that people can use these scenarios and um, it may up their confidence. Like you said, confidence is such a big thing. It may up their confidence when they hear a deer blow. That does not mean you need to leave because you still may have an opportunity, which it sounds like if your standards were a little bit lower that day, you would have had an opportunity. Um, yeah, I mean he he stood exactly where I mean he stood exactly where he needed to stand. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, no no kidding. I mean it it worked out, and I think um, if you plan on wrestling the early season stuff, I mean you're gonna have to expect some of that just due to those inconsistent wins. I mean. I mean, you know, the deers, some of the deer, you, you, like, I, you know, it, it does require a, a small amount of luck because you just got to get in there and hope that conditions are accommodating for you because it's really, you can't depend on the weatherman because, yeah. like I, I said earlier, I think it's got a lot to do with the heavy foliage these trees are carrying that early season. I think you can't, you can't really um, determine what the wind's going to do until you're there. So. Definitely, definitely. So you had this situation kind of up your spirits a little bit um yeah yeah <laughs> that's that's def- it, that definitely helps <laughs> that helps, helps that, life that, a lot yeah yeah i had walked out of there thinking hopefully that i hadn't just blown that area completely and and planned on trying it again um from a different angle or maybe setting up a little bit differently um i thought i was i was doing an aggressive but safe at the same time a, a, a set there but i guess not safe enough but anyways left out of there after seeing a couple deer and at least in a little bit better spirits and um the next morning on that scouting expedition the week before i had done a lot of walking and um stumbled up on a couple does under a persimmon tree um the persimmons i found a bunch of persimmons this year but not many of them were dropping at this time and this specific tree was in fact had had quite a not a bunch but it had just started dropping and there was two does standing under it, and, and um, I'd looked, and there was quite a few droppings, and you could tell that the, the persimmon tree was actually being hit. It was a target, and it was right on the edge of some of that thick, I guess it's CRP. It's like reclaimed, you know, it's got those maples and just that high stem count stuff that yeah. the deer there just love to bed in. Um, and it was right off of that, and it was convenient for me with water access, I thought, you know what, this is going to be one of those areas that um, I can slip into. It's going to be a pretty safe set. I don't think I'll blow a whole bunch out. Um, the vegetation is accommodating for, for a big deer or any deer to use it and, and be pretty safe. Um, and not to mention the persimmons. I saw some does under it. It, should, it looked like deer were hitting the persimmons. So it may be a spot to get that monkey off my back and go ahead and see if we can't, you know, break that ice for the season seems like everything gets to rolling better after you you put something in the cooler so essentially that's what i was going to do the morning i killed the deer was uh i'd slipped in i'd found that persimmon tree that was right on the edge of uh of that thick stuff um and there was a specific tree that i kind of eyeballed that day that i had looked at that tree uh the persimmons and and saw that it would give me a shot all the way to the edge of the thick stuff. Um, there's kind of a, like a little grassy lane that runs around it. I'm assuming when they did whatever they did, it was their, you know, mode of getting in and out. So mm-hmm. the deer were using that, you know, just for the ease of travel. 
and um, gave them the ability to, to get there and hop in and bed and, you know, be secure. So it was as simple as that. Like I just went into that spot, kind of circles back around to what we were saying earlier. Um, just being persistent, like, no, did I, did I go in there to hunt a big buck? Did I go in there hunting uh, a bed that I knew bucks were in? Did I go in there hunting with some type of prior knowledge that there was a, a good buck in that area? No, I just went in there because I knew I wasn't going to kill him laying in the truck. I wasn't going to kill him at home. And um, I found the persimmons. It looked like deer were hitting them. It was in the right location, really close to some really thick bedding. And, you know, I got in there and things worked out, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just, it's just as simple as that, huh? I mean, it's just like big buck came out and I shot him. <laughs> you know? That's, yeah. I mean, you know, the crazy. evening before, yeah, the evening before I'd put this really intense strategy together and um, walked on rocks and walked down creek beds and climbed into my stand. And, you know, not that I didn't the morning the next morning when i actually killed the deer but um there was a lot less uh you know critiquing when it came to the setup it was more or less like it just makes sense it's thick bedding um lord knows what's in there because it's just a huge expanse of, of thick bedding it's kind of like clear cuts around here you know i mean yeah you look at that clear cut and you go god deer could be anywhere in there not really <laughs> yeah um they're going to be in specific spots of that clear cut because it just doesn't make sense for a deer to want to walk 300 yards out into the middle of a clear cut and bed down in the center of it. Not unless he's got some type of road or something he's traveling, they're going to put things in their favor and the way that specific spot set up, like these deer could slip in there. Um, I had kind of like a little treat for them that it would kind of concentrate them before they snuck off to bed. And I just put myself in a position to where any deer that was going to stop and snack before it went to bed, that, um, that I'd be in a position to kill it. And that's exactly what happened. I think that, I think I caught this deer is, uh, I caught this deer, you know, a little late running back to his bed and he stopped for a snack of a early dropping persimmon that happened to be, uh, accommodating for his bedding location. And, um, that's what happened. I'm sorry if you hear the dogs in the background. Oh, Apparently, somebody, somebody's at the door, and the hounds are upset about it. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's that's that's kind of the the whole gist of it. I mean, I, you know, found one of those little spots, and that that was a gold mine or a little nugget of gold that you didn't know about or yeah. didn't re recognize it when you saw it. You know, um, Man, I was going in there, like I said, to to shoot a doe honestly <laughs> it's it's crazy how it happens that way but it almost makes you feel like uh, i don't even know if i should say it, it almost it almost make you you put all this time into overthinking things and analyzing and doing all this mess and the simplest thing is what paid off and and it seems like that happens more times than not if you go back and watch uh, any of my videos where I've killed a decent buck, it's kind of been on like a, well, I'm just going to go in here and, and just check it out. You know, something didn't work out. I wasn't able to go into a spot I wanted to. I go into another area and that's when I kill a big deer. Um, there's always a, always a reason for it. I mean, it's not like I'm just like, eh, I'm just going to go sit out in the open hardwoods. There's always a reason. And for, for you with this one, it was, 
these persimmons, you know, that was just something that you knew was going to at least put deer in front of you. Um, so there's always a reason. And I think, I think sometimes just going back to the basics and, uh, focusing on those basic, basic deer knowledge, you know, deer like to eat persimmons. (laughs) That's yeah. It's just the fundamentals in, um, like like food sources in a whole i think they have to be convenient for the deer i always hold security as number one so yeah i wanted to look you know these deer were getting pressured from all angles i knew they were going to be somewhere that was secure for them so you just kind of had to find that little bit of a uh little bit of a uh, a niche that they were going to utilize that little bit of a you know close enough where they could feel secure but kind of almost make themselves vulnerable without realizing it. and i think i just found him coming back to his bed, you know, I killed him at like seven o'clock. So, I mean, it hadn't been shooting light, you know, almost no time. And, um, you know, he could have approached that area from a lot of different angles. You know, he could have got to that bedding location from a lot of different angles, but he chose this angle because there was a, there was a persimmon tree, the first persimmon tree in the area from what I could find that was dropping. So like, I didn't just go hunt a bedding area, just willy nilly, just saying, Oh, this is a big thick piece of, ground here i'm gonna go sit beside it see if a deer comes to bed in it like it was a little bit more than that but not Mm -hmm. a whole lot more you know um but it's the same like you just said like we put in all of these strategies and you know sometimes that stuff works out you know sometimes you know the deer i killed in alabama a handful of years ago is exactly what happened found his bed snuck in there you know got up the tree like you know without any uh, issue at all and you know he got up out of his bed and walked past me and I can't, like those intense highly thought out strategy worked to a T um, but then you get situations like this and there's a situation a couple of years ago in Kentucky to where I had scouted and walked myself to death and just couldn't find anything that that really just got me excited and I killed that deer just on a pinch point just literally found some a, big, a whole flat of acorns or not a flat a whole ridge side of acorns that were dropping and found a pinch point that kind of led to it and he come bebopping down through there an hour and a half before before dark so yeah like you said it was kind of back to the basics just putting yourselves in those common sense areas and just being persistent and just keeping yourself in those common sense areas man that's so cool dude i know you got i know you've got uh uh some other things that you got to do this evening but i do appreciate you coming on uh i love i love being able to talk to you and uh, I think you do a really good job of simplifying things for people. Um, and maybe that's because you're from Georgia and the people that you have to talk to out there don't understand <laughs> a lot of uh, complicated things. <laughs> yeah. uh, I, I, whatever works. <laughs> no, I, I do appreciate you coming on, man. I know a lot of people are going to enjoy this. And uh, congratulations on that buck, dude. That was a really stinking good way to talk about or to, to start off the season. And uh, now you can just go back to thinking about turkeys like I know you wanted to do the whole time anyway. So. Oh, yeah, man. It's, it's, it's nice to, to have that deer. And, and um, yeah, I couldn't be more appreciative of it. Yeah, for sure. It was it was kind of weird because you grind, you grind, you grind. And I'm like, oh, God. So, like, then you get back to looking. I'm like, there was only 12 days that I hunted. So, I'm like, I feel like I've hunted for two months. And it was 12, 12 days that I had actually chased. And I'm like, man, that was like two weeks quicker than what i did two years two years ago when i was here and i'm like man i was i was beating myself up and 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 just talking about what a terrible deer hunter i was and (laughs) then you know luck found its way right to my feet that's right 
That's um, right. Heck, I'll take it, you know. Thank you all so much for listening to this week's episode of the Southern Ground Hunting Podcast. As always, a big shout out to all of our partners. Let's go wild, Spartan Forge, Tethered, New Canoe, and Scree Gear. You can keep up with Southern Ground Hunting by following us on Facebook and Instagram, or you can subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. Make sure you check out southerngroundhunting.com to pick up some of our merch, hats, t-shirts, stickers, stuff like that. I truly hope you enjoyed this week's episode, and we'll see you here again next week. Remember this, God gave you dominion over the birds of the air, the fish of the sea, and the beasts of the earth. So go out and exercise that dominion. We'll talk to you next time.